Hey everyone, welcome to the newest episode of the Jay Davis podcast. Uh, super excited to have Ryan Bartlett uh, today, founder and CEO of True Classic. Uh, welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Well, do you want to give the the listeners just like a quick, uh, or it can be long, either one, uh, uh, give them a background on kind of your career and life and all that stuff? Yeah. So I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Northern Michigan. Um, I grew up in music. That was kind of my strength, my skill set. I thought that was my path. Um, got all my degrees in it. Turns out I got involved in the music industry at the perfectly wrong time post Napster, where no one could make money anymore from music. So I got into that industry, you know, tried to make ends meet by playing piano at restaurants and, you know, barely got by, eventually got out of that and led myself into poker, um, which kind of took over my life for a while and tried to make a living at that. Was again, unsuccessful, but I did put a lot of hours in and I got a lot out of it uh, that applied to business. Um, I got a lot out of the music that applied to business too. Um, But, you know, those two journeys kind of led me to entrepreneurship and digital marketing, computer science. So I got heavily involved in that. And uh, long story short, um, I started my own agency eventually just to kind of get out of the working world and uh, and have my own thing and uh, and built that up into a nice business. We're like seven people over there now, over 11 years of SEO. So it, it was a really good business for me. I cut my teeth on digital marketing there. I learned a lot, but it really ultimately helped me get to where I needed to be to start True Classic. So, you know, I had put in my 10,000 hours prior to True Classic starting in digital marketing. And then I also put in another 10,000 into poker, another 10,000 into, into audio and creative, which all ended up playing a, a big part in shaping True Classic. So um, luckily those all paid dividends much later in life, but, um, it was a rough go of it for most of my life. And it wasn't just till like, you know, the last nine or 10 years, uh, things started getting better. I love that kind of, uh, I think that's a very common origin story for a lot of entrepreneurs is people see the success and they just think it's always been roses and it's just been constantly upward growth. Uh, what do you think got you through that time? Like how, how did you kind of stay motivated? Uh, you know, were there kind of circumstantial kind of really, you felt almost lucky coincidences? Was it just coming into work every day? How did that kind of go? And what was that like? I was just motivated by trying to make something of myself. Ultimately, you know, with the music, I, I knew I had a natural ability. I just didn't know how to monetize it. Um, but you know, I, I was always just motivated to, to find a way out of no way. And I wasn't afraid to fail either. That was a very strong skill set that I learned over the years by failing so many times. And then seeing that even when you fail, like what's the worst that happens? You just start over and go do something else. Right. So even though, you know, I put myself in a tough position with music and thinking my whole building, my whole career around that, and then it not panning out, I was still okay with kind of leaving it on the back burner and saying, okay, you know, someday maybe I'll come back to this. 
I've already built my skill set. Um, it is what it is. I'm going to try this other thing, see how it works for a couple of years. Plus, I was young and I had a lot of time to fail and learn. So I never really got too down on myself. This was like my 20s. And so, you know, it wasn't until much later that I decided um, I wanted to start a family and really build something and and be married and live that life. So I just knew that music wasn't going to get me there. And uh, and so I started making my transition out of that into digital marketing. But um, I mean, staying motivated is just, it, it's difficult when you're struggling. But um, I was always good at kind of figuring out a way to make things work for myself, no matter where I lived. I lived in a lot of different states, a lot of different cities. And uh, everywhere I landed, within six to eight months, I had a good group of friends. I had a good system in place. I found a way to make money. And so I just kept that playbook moving throughout my life. And so I always had a lot of confidence that I would, you know, figure it out, essentially. Um, part of that was just, you know, my upbringing and, and my parents supporting and, and all that good stuff. So I owe a lot to them. Yeah. What, what do you feel like uh, were some of those lessons as a kid? Were, were you the, the kid who is like, out selling stuff door to door? Was that kind of your entrepreneurial introduction? Was it different? Uh, what was that progression for you? A hundred percent. I, my, my stepdad was uh, a big salesman. So being around that, I, I naturally gravitated towards it, um, growing up with him and, um, sales is a huge component. And my parents always told me no matter what you do in life, sales will pay dividends in almost any industry. So it's something that I really focused in on and, and got good at. Um, I mean, even as a kid, I was selling, you know, Christmas wrapping paper in the summertime, you know, not the best target audience to go door to door and try to get people, but it worked because people couldn't say no to me. I would show up little seven-year-old kid like here buy this and 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 people would do it because they just felt bad for me but um yeah I, I mean I sharpened my sales skills a lot in Vegas too when I lived out there after I went broke playing poker I had no choice but to get a job in the in the nightclub industry and part of my job was to approach women all day every day and sell them on getting into the club later uh, and and you know getting them into VIP so I would essentially have to just approach cold approach people and say and strike up a conversation and sell them on the dream of of coming and having fun at this club or whatever. And it really made me comfortable with kind of selling on my feet and being spontaneous and finding out what they were really interested in so that I could try to make that happen for them. And um, yeah, sales is the whole game. And even today, here I am selling to private equity, bankers, customers, my employees, like selling is just, it's a through line to everything in business. I think that's one of the things that I was a little different in that I was not a natural salesperson and kind of was a little more afraid of it and developed that talent later in life of just having to be willing to put myself out there and pitch people and sell people. And it's, it's amazing how true your stepdad's advice was. Uh, it just can always, if you can sell, you can always revert back to that. So I love it. Um, one of the things I want to ask you about, cause we are very common in that I also started an agency and then spun out a brand from that. Uh, I was excited to talk to you cause there's not a lot of founders that go down that path. I started a viral marketing agency. 
you started an SEO agency. What were the lessons in being in an agency that you think helped you skip some of those maybe common mistakes that a lot of entrepreneurs make because you saw people doing them or or just the access you had? What were some of those things that you saw? Oh, man, the most important one, and this is such a good point for you to touch on, this is this is the crux of what really drove the growth for True Classic was that working in an agency, when you're working with a lot of different clients, you know that you learn what to do and what not to do, right? Because you have so many clients that want to spend their money and try things. So you go, okay, you know, let's give this a shot. Let's try Facebook ads. Let's try TikTok. Let's try SMS. Let's do email. Like, let's just figure it out. Whatever works for the business and makes an impact is what we're going to do. So having done that for 10 years, I just knew exactly when I started True Classic, I knew how to put the money to work for us right away without just testing a bunch of things and kind of seeing what happens, which is how most businesses start out. They just don't know better. So they start spewing money into different things. And the problem is they aren't able to attribute that growth to any one thing. So they don't know how to allocate their dollars properly. So I just think having been through so many businesses and seeing what they went through, I just knew that when I hit the ground running, whatever I was going to start, whatever kind of econ brand, it was going to be all Facebook ads all the time. And I was going to, I was going to like live and die by that essentially. And then all the other stuff like the SEO and the, and the CRO and all that will come later because I'll have time to figure that out after the fact, those are kind of evergreen initiatives, but starting out, you just, I, I, I knew you could make a lot from a little, essentially, on Facebook, meaning I could invest a little bit of money, I could quantify the return, and then I could allocate that money back into the business and just keep that kind of train rolling. And um, without that, I mean, I don't even know, you know, what True Classic looks like without Facebook. I mean, it's just such a different world that I would be living in. I definitely wouldn't see the kind of growth we did without Facebook. There's just, there's no question about it, so... Well, and I, I think, like you said, I think that's what I see. And I'm sure you see this with a lot of brands who ask you for help or advice. And it is a lot of throwing spaghetti at the wall of, I don't know, should we spend 500 grand a year as a $5 million brand on PR? No, you shouldn't, but people do. Uh, yeah. or you We're know, still victims of that too, by the way. Like we, oh, yeah. we even too. though we know Facebook works the best, Absolutely. here we are talking about like Super Bowl ads or like... Uh, <laughs> You know, like let's hire this retired athlete and pay him all this money. And I'm just thinking like now we're going the other way. Like we're going so far backwards. Like we're going too legacy, too traditional. You know, we need to just focus on what we're good at. But, yeah, we have these conversations all the time about like, well, let's just get this country star. And then I'm like, and then what? Well, then it'll be good for the brand. It's like, okay, exactly. Like, like, how are you going to measure that attribution exactly? You know, and how are you going to quantify the result of that country star? You're just really not. It's kind of a brand play. So you just chalk it up to throwing brand dollars or something and that's fine. But if you're going to talk about like performance marketing and what drives the business, you know, there's only a few platforms that can really help you there. So this is probably a little deeper dive, but this is something very interesting to me because I'd love to hear your perspective. We're, Pillow Cube's in a very similar, like, should we go brand? We have some advisors who are like, now that you guys are X size, we need to start doing real marketing. Uh, None of this, you know, (laughs) silly videos and 
and Facebook stuff. We need to do real marketing. So having similar conversations. And I feel very similar, I think, but I would love to hear like, what do you think? Like as you, as you keep growing true classic, does it just, do you need to pivot to that stuff? Do you not? I, I that this is like asking for me, uh, maybe more than a lot of the audience members. But yeah, what are your thoughts? This drives me crazy. These conversations, like the basically, it's the should we have a billboard on Melrose conversation? Yeah, and I always go back to like, you know, yes, we can do anything, right? And we can can we quantify it and can we ramp it up? You know, essentially, like these other platforms, because they're so scalable. Right. Like they're just so easy to put money into now, provided that your creative is great and really working for you. But yeah, I mean, we have a lot of these conversations. I I, that's not to say that I don't see some value in some brand initiatives, but I think people just got to put them in a completely different bucket and say, okay, here's some kind of wasteful dollars that we're going to have for this year. Let's allocate towards these brand initiatives. You know, is it going to generate an ROI? Probably not. It's going to, it's probably, you're probably not going to be profitable on that brand spend, unfortunately. Does it bring in some extra customers? Probably. Does it really net out to being better than Facebook? There's absolutely no way. There's just no way. Yeah. And I've tested every platform under the sun. I I understand attribution as high of a level as you possibly can. I mean, we have run incrementality tests on literally everything. It's just all, all roads go back to there. But to really answer your question, you know, the bigger we get, the more I have to kind of think about these things because, you know, there's just not a lot left to do advertising wise other than to look at these these brand initiatives. So I am thinking about it. I'm definitely not over investing in it. I'm not the guy that's going to just throw millions at one person. What I'm trying to do with these kind of legacy brands like NBA, NFL, UFC. I'm trying to get those guys. So I'm having a lot of conversations with them and they all want us to advertise, of course. They 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 see how much we're spending. But what what I'm running into with these guys is I'm like, guys, you want me to commit to a year, okay? You want me to pay all this money, right? Like millions of dollars. You want me to take all the risk up front and you don't want to give me any kind of small testing campaign that I can quantify and then ramp up. Because that's what they need to understand. They're so used to these big like Xerox and Staples just like blowing this kind of crazy amount of money on like some banner ad in in, in left field that is going to get little to no visibility. But what do they care, right? They're a big company. They just spend. So they're used to these brands kind of paying them big dollars. But then they come to a company like mine and I'm like, guys, how do you measure it? And they, they're they like a deer in headlights. They're just, they, 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 what, do you, what do you mean measure? I'm like, Guys, we're living in two different worlds here. If you want to, if you want me to advertise with you, you better come with a test of a small amount of money. And listen, if it works, like when they, they always go, well, what's your budget? Buddy, my budget is unlimited if it works. That's my budget. Stop with the what's my budget and then you craft something around it. I don't live in that world. My budget is infinite if it generates an ROI. That's the answer. And then it's hard for them to quantify that. And it's hard for them to... Like they don't even know what incrementality is, let alone how they're going to measure the effectiveness of this thing. So that's my issue with all these big brands is they just don't know how to cater to these growing, you know, tech focused uh, entrepreneurs like us. They, They just they try to put us in this bucket of everyone else and we're living in different worlds. 
Well, I think that's that's one of the things that's so interesting about this digital world. Things are changing so quickly. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that people struggle with. When I talk to people who are like, hey, how do I get started? It, what's often surprising to me is it's like, no, 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 that's like, we're, we've cycled past that phase in the the world. And that's five years ago. That's 10 years ago. That's 15 years ago. And so I, I talk to people who are kind of still in that Instagram influencer. I never spent money and now all of a sudden I'm forced to spend money and they're really struggling because they're like, what is ROAS? I've never, I've never had to spend 25% of my revenue on marketing. I was just getting free posts from influencers and and they're now having, having to shift into this world. So the question I would be really interested in hearing your perspective, A, how do you help other people? And B, how do you focus or how do you make sure you stay up on those trends and, and notice the next trend? Because there, there will be something, I think, that, that we will move to that next thing. More and more people, uh, when I was doing long form videos seven years ago, people were making fun of me, like you're crazy. And now Amazon's doing long form and everybody's doing long form. Uh, and everyone's diving into Facebook spend. So how do you kind of stay up on those trends? How do you see what's coming, focus what's on coming, what's coming up? I mean, we have a lot of really creative people here. So we have ideas coming through all the time. I think the, to answer your question, it's ultimately about getting out of your head and thinking you know and just testing and testing and testing, but making sure when you test that you're testing it the right way. Like, I think that's a big problem. People try TikTok and I hear them all the time say, it just doesn't work. And I'm, I'm like, buddy, I know brands that are spending 100K a day on TikTok and it is crushing for them. So don't tell me it doesn't work. You're just not doing the work to make the creative as good as it can be so that TikTok works. Because it, it, TikTok can make your terrible content great. It just can't. It's just a platform. It's just a channel for people to view it. That's it. Stop thinking TikTok and Facebook will fix all your problems or build your business for you. You still got to do the work to come out with best in class creative. And by the way, whatever you think is best in class, it's probably not. It's probably average at best. And you don't have enough people internally calling you out and saying, hey, this is the kind of content everyone's creating. What can we do to be better than what is out there in the marketplace? And I just find that to be the case with almost every single brand. You know who's a good one who's not doing that? Liquid Death. They are a great Great brand. And, and when you and when you bring them up, everyone's just like, exactly. Like they get it, right? Because they're so different. They go completely the other way against the grain of what everyone else creates. And that's what stands out. And that's the kind of content we try to create. That's why we we go so deep on comedy, because it's really, really hard to create great comedy. We see a lot of other brands, even some of our competitors are trying to do comedy and it is failing miserably. And they're realizing that, oh, this is like really hard. And if you don't do it right, it just becomes off, it comes off very cringeworthy. So people need to go back to the drawing board on what they think is great and really just test all forms of media, whether it be UGC, customer testimonials. You know, some of the best performing assets we've ever had have been a complete fluke of things that were like, oh, this is gonna crush, and then it absolutely tanks. Other things, like for instance, static images, like still do really, really well. Everyone thinks it's, we're living in a video world, it's just not true. One of our static ads 
that is a excerpt from uh, Men's Health, where we were called the best T-shirt um, and just making that like a print ad and then blowing that up on social was one of our top three best performing ads across, you know, 70, 80 million of spend, which is really kind of mind blowing considering how much money we spend on digital and video creative and comedy um, and even memes. That's another like weird one that take us no time to create. It takes like literally a minute or two to create a meme. They crush for some reason on paid media. I don't understand it. It's the most mind boggling thing, but um, it's, you know, we do all these photo shoots and we do everything, but like, you just got to test stuff. And if you were to tell me like, uh, memes and static images are going to be the path, I would have, you know, I would have laughed in your face, but having tested them, I can tell you it is so important to just diversify and try a lot of different stuff. And then obviously whatever works, you just ramp up, reiterate, make better and continue to kind of move forward. Yeah. I love that. I, I think that's the the testing mentality is such a first principle idea of like, you you can't have any sacred cows. I'm always shocked when people are like, I don't want to be silly. I don't want to be funny. And it's like, but, but it works. Like humor drops those barriers and gets people to open up to something they've never heard of. So if you're a brand that is pitching someone and trying to grow uh, I just don't know of many ways to get grab people's attention and then convince them to listen to me better than entertaining them by making them laugh. Like there's just not many things out there. To your point, it's it's not it's like the soft sell, right? It's like you're you're not coming out with a video that is like, hey, I'm the best feature, 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 value, prop, value, prop. Look at me which is, you know, people are very turned off by that approach of content because we've seen it a million times over and everyone does it all day. What they want to see is something that just makes their day a little bit better. Something that just yeah. makes them chuckle a little bit, right? Just like bring a little positivity to humans and now you're really creating value for them. And if you're creating value for them, they will seek you out and they will find out about your brand. You don't have to oversell it and say, I'm the best that ever existed t-shirt wise. You let them find that out, right? Like you just make them laugh, let them come into the site when they're ready and they'll buy it and test it for themselves. And, and the proof is in the product. If the product is great, then the company will do big things. If, the, if, if it's average, you'll have a very small company. So just about bringing value to people ultimately. What's uh, one of the ones that I thought about was, have you seen the liquid death where they make people drink super disgusting, but very expensive drinks? Yeah. 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 It's like such a great tie where you're not really pitching your product, but you're just doing something that's so unique, like drinking yeah. a $700 yeah. worth of caviar juice. And it's like, that's so gross. Creativity always wins. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. What? They also do you, like, sorry, they, they one last thing know, about liquid death. So one really unique angle that I love that they do that I just thought of that I don't think enough brands out there do is they make these like music videos. And have you seen any of those uh, like pieces <laughs> yes. of creative? They're hilarious. Yeah. They're so good yeah. and they're so entertaining. Like there's no reason every brand out there can't make a music video and make it funny and make it great and entertaining. I think more brands need to do that. I would love to do one of those, by the way. But uh, I just thought they did such a good job with that. Um, yeah, they're a great brand. No, it's it's so true. So along with that, uh, if you as an entrepreneur could like kind of hijack 
or or you could have started that brand. What's that brand? That you're like, man, I wish I would have started that. Uh, anything out there that you can think of? There is a consumable brand out there. I love consumable brands. I think that that uh, if I was to ever start something else after this, it would be something in probably like the uh, either liquid vitamin or, you know, chewable vitamin market. I just think those are such amazing markets and you're bringing people nutrients, you're bringing them value to their body. Um, there's a brand called Obvi. Have you heard of them? O-B-V-I. Um, and we know the founder, really great guy, really smart guy, really great brand. I just, I, I wish I could have gotten in that space when he did and and been that brand that they built because I see a lot of what I wanted out of starting that in what he's already done. So I'm just really impressed with, you know, if you want to look at a website, if you want to take cues from everybody, this is a great website to look at and look at their CRO efforts. Look at the way their cart is built. Look at how the gift with purchase is, is tiered up to drive AOV. Look at the way the checkout is like, just it's, it's a, it's really the whole website is pretty unbelievable um, from just purely a UX UI standpoint. It's very colorful. It's very inviting. They have a great model. They upsell the subscription in the cart and you get a discount added to your order. Like they just thought through everything. And I just love what they've done. And I think those kind of businesses are going to just continue to thrive in a day and age where it's all about health and kind of getting away from. Uh, a lot of these brands that just don't care about their ingredients and um, and being very mindful of what we're kind of putting in our bodies. And I'm I'm the more I older I get, the more I care about that stuff. So yeah, that's one of the brands I wish I would have uh, I would have gotten involved with early on. It, it, I think it's interesting as you get with entrepreneurs who have kind of been able to create something incredible like what you've created. Um, I think there's definitely you start to think about things a little differently. That hurdle of can I start something that works or not is kind of like, okay, I know I know now how to start something that works. You start thinking more around like, how big is this market? Yeah. Uh, what's the AOV like? What's the reorder rate like? Uh, how many people need this? How many people want this? Like it, it's, it's an interesting shift in mindset uh, that I've, Notice as an entrepreneur, sometimes it's hard to scratch that itch because most of the people I talk to are in the, should I start something or not? Or I want to start something. How do I motivate myself? And so it's kind of like a different way of thinking that I don't always see. So that's. Yeah, I listen, I get the, that question all the time. It kind of drives me crazy. So here's what I usually tell people with that is I say, forget about the idea. Look at the market that you want to compete in. Do you think you can add value and make it better? If the answer is no, then don't do it. You have to yeah. go into a market knowing that you're bringing more value than everybody else around you. By the way, that's the way SaaS has always worked too, right? Like the ones who continually evolve and create more features and listen to their customers and reiterate and make a better product are the ones that ultimately win. So even for what you've created, you know, you, if you were to say, I'm going to do a pillow, everyone would have gone, you're crazy. Why would you think of making a pillow? It's like, no, no, no. I'm going to make a better version of that thing. 
right? Just like the t-shirt. I just made a better version at a better price. So I solved two problems, which was the fit problem and the price problem. And so people need to think more in terms of like, just how can I create more value in the marketplace and be better than everyone I'm competing with? Less about the idea because there's just not a lot of net new ideas. Let's be honest. Most, th most things are pretty built for the most part, but there is an insane amount of uh, room to improve on everything that's in the marketplace currently. Yeah. Almost anything can be, uh, you, can, you can turn up the value on it. And listen, if the value is truly there and the customers see it, they will sniff it out and it will, you will have a big business on your hand if you've truly created more value than everybody else. So it, again, less about the idea, more about the execution of how you're going to create value in the marketplace for whatever product that you want to roll out. It's yeah, I love that. I think that's so true. I, I've my like kind of one thing that I always look at as I look at investing or helping people or partnering with people is always when someone comes in and says, dude, we're going to be billionaires. It's like, OK, <laughs> no. When someone comes in and is like so passionate about there is this problem in the marketplace and no one is solving it and no one's giving the solution that a lot of people want and need. It is always like the one differentiator between it's such a clear differentiator between certain people. You have the people right. who are like, I'm going to be so rich. <laughs> and then the people who are like, I care about solving this problem. Because when you do the work, pillows, Exactly. Because the differences between those two people is that when it comes down to it, the person who's going to win is the person who's ultimately passionate about it because they're going to put in the work. The guy who's just looking for the money is only going to be very tactical. He's only going to be thinking about how do I go from zero to 100? How do I get there quicker? And he's going to miss out on what actually matters to a business, which is listening to the customer and making the product better and better and better and better. And that's where the passion comes into play and why there is such a huge difference between the guys who really see the problem and want to make it better or the guys who are just kind of chasing money. Those guys will never get there. You know, they'll never build yeah. that big business. They just won't because when it gets hard, they're going to collapse and they're not going to be invested. They're just going to be thinking, okay, this didn't work. I'm going to go to the next thing and try to make money on that. And then they're going to keep going um, until they burn out or run out of money or whatever it is. But that's a great point. Uh, so time flew, uh, as it always does when you're you're loving the information. Uh, to kind of wrap up, one of the things I want to ask you, True Classic sells tomorrow. Uh, what What's next? Like, what would be the thing that you would go do? What would get you excited? Do you start another brand? Do you chase a hobby? Like, what, what, would, what would you start tomorrow? Man, to think about starting another consumer-facing brand <laughs> is like, I just don't have that in my life anymore. I mean, I'm 41. I feel like I'm just not that young guy anymore who like wants to like just bleed out my eyes for a couple of years of starting a product because I know how much work it really is. It sounds so daunting to me. It just it brings back nightmares of of working in this brand as long as I have now. But um, I would say. I think there's a lot of people out there that I could help on a on a more of a general basis where maybe I do 
uh, I, I want to do like this. I have this idea of starting like a YouTube show where I just have people come on. I look at their website. I give them some quick advice and it's like little 10 minute segments with each person. I just find out, I want to find a way to create value for a lot of up and comers. I feel like people are really stuck uh, that I talk to. And I feel like it's, it's more of a mind shift than it is a lack of either creativity or work or whatever it is. It, it's more of a shift, uh, kind of a nuanced shift. So I want to find a way to provide value for people. And maybe that also, maybe I end up starting a fund where um, I'm just investing in young entrepreneurs and, you know, sitting on the board and just kind of helping them fulfill their dreams and big, you know, build big businesses out of their uh, projects that are doing like a million a year, take them to 50 or a hundred million and run them through kind of my true classic playbook. Maybe something like that. I can't see myself starting from scratch though. Another one of these things, even if I had the team, it is just, you know, we were talking before this about, you know, being a CEO, being at the top, being the number one guy is just, so not what people think it is. Like everyone thinks it's so much fun and, and that's what I want to strive to do. And I tell people like, trust me, you don't want to be the guy because once you're here, it is nothing but headaches and problems that you're solving all day, every day. You're spread between a million initiatives. You're multitasking like a madman. No one's ever happy with every decision you make. And, you know, everyone's looking to take your spot and knock you off essentially. So you're kind of like the man. And I hate being that guy because I come from an artist life. So I really push back against like the man type vibe. But just out of default, here I am as a CEO. And I'm like looking around like, damn, I just wanted to like make some better creative. I didn't want to have to like look at P&Ls and make like high level, you know, uh, uh, planning sessions and, and, and make decisions on, you know, uh, buying a certain amount of inventory over a certain period. Like this is none of the stuff that I signed up for, but it just comes to the territory. So I'm, I'm definitely not complaining, but I think people need to be happy with being like the number two, three, four, five guy in a company and, uh, and not trying to strive for kind of the number one spot because it's it, it also most, I don't think most people understand how much work it actually is to build a business. It's just, it consumes your life. Um, I mean, I have three young kids and a, and a, and a, and a wife and, and they demand a lot of my time. So it's a really tough balance to find the perfect, you know, uh, balance between work and, and home life. But it's getting better every day because we're adding more people to the company. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I know I just went off on a little tangent, but... Uh, no, I love that. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So it's, it's, I, it's, I it's a it's lot. Hard. Yeah. It, it's a lot, but I'm, I'm not, I'm definitely not one to complain. You know, it's, it's a pretty amazing spot to be in, but it definitely won't be forever. And there's much smarter, better, more capable CEOs that can come in here and do a way better job than me. Um, you know, I'm just some poker playing musician, college dropout kid that got lucky and, and, and just happened to build a big business. But um, I'm just happy to be here, to be honest. It, it's funny how often that, uh, ends up being the case. I, I think it's a commonality, um, but I, I feel the same way. I talk to college kids. I'm like, dude, join a join a startup. Every college kid has an idea. I'm like, the, uh, coming up with a great idea that's the right market. Like you said, that's that's the hardest part of entrepreneurship, uh, and it's harder to learn. And you need a lot more natural talent. Just join a company and learn how companies work. Join a startup. See, be that number two, that number three, that number four. Uh, dude, sometimes you have things that go crazy and being the 50th guy in 
mm-hmm. or girl in, you make crazy money as the 50th person in or 100th person in. So I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's very wise counsel. Well, as we're wrapping up, any anything you'd ask from the audience to go do, call to action, definitely go check out True Classic, buy some t-shirts, uh, anything else you want to ask them. Yeah, come come to the website, um, you know, see what you like, see what you don't like. I just love the continuous feedback loop that we have with our customers where, you know, they'll get something or they'll tell us about an experience and we find ways to just make it better for them, which is what business should be about, which is just the customer and listening and listening and then executing on whatever feedback they're giving you. You know, ultimately, I just want to help guys look better and feel better. Uh, Also, we're coming out with women's this year. Um, we're going to do a small little women's line and we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, just come to the website, shop around, let me know what you think of, of, of the product. And, uh, I just love to hear about the experience from customers. Love it. Uh, trueclassictees.com. Go check it out. It's a, it's a masterclass in, in how to build a optimized website. So, uh, thanks again, Ryan, for coming. All the wisdom and advice you shared was amazing. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Jay. Hey. Thanks, Ryan.